This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good evening, everyone. How are you tonight? Are you ready for the word? We are ready to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. And I want to thank you for coming out because last Sunday we spoke about the process of promotion and we're going to continue with that series on the process of promotion. And we don't want to stay where we are in God. We want to grow in God. We want to mature in God. And we want to receive everything that God has for us. So thank you for coming. I know that we have winners in this house in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, into your presence we come, dear sir, to praise and to worship you. We say this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, and we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare that I'm a servant ready to be used by the master tonight. And Father, I will speak your word fearlessly, boldly, accurately, carried by the wind of the Spirit. And I thank you that fear will be dispelled and faith will rise up in the hearts of your people. And we are Christian Family Church. We are not only hearers of the word, but Father, we doers of the word, and therefore we have good success in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, that's me, and you may be seated. So I'm talking about the process to promotion. Inside of each and every one of us is untapped potential. Say this with me. Say, inside me is untapped potential. We were designed by God's masterpiece, and we were created in His image to rule and to reign. By Christ Jesus on the earth, we were created to rule above circumstances. He created us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And we were made to be more than conquerors in this life. Right, right, family? So God's plans for us individually are much greater than we could ever think or imagine. However, on our journey to our destiny, there is a process that we must go through in order for us to be ready to be put in positions of promotion and positions that God has planned for us that brings us prestige and prosperity and even um, power. We have to go through a process that God can make sure that He can trust us, that we will do what He has commanded us to do. Do you know that even the most wanted gemstone in all the world has to go through extreme pressure and extreme heat under the earth before they are formed into the most exquisite gemstones? And we're talking about a girl's best friend, and that are that's diamonds, right? <laughs> diamonds are a girl's best friends. But diamonds in the rough form have to be cut and polished in order to bring out their luster and their brilliance. But do you know, family, it's in the cutting process of the diamond that makes it shine so brilliantly. And do you know that our lives are like that? The challenges that we face will either defeat us or destroy us, or we can use them as a learning curve and we can grow in our character. We can mature in God so that God can promote us to the next level in due season if we do not faint and give up on the way. 
So we're going to continue with and have a look at a couple of tests that Joseph went through. Last week we saw that he went through, he had a forgiving heart. And Joseph is a man who, who started from the bottom and God raised him to the top. And you will see there's a golden thread throughout his life. And we're going to continue and see what that golden thread is. In Genesis 39, verse 19 and 20, we see that Joseph was falsely accused of trying to rape his boss's wife. He is presumed guilty rather than innocent, and he's imprisoned for the attempted rape. This was not fair, family. It wasn't right. But once again, we see that Joseph, when he faced adversity and misunderstandings, he kept a right heart attitude. He could have easily succumbed to complaining. He could have said, life is not fair. Are you kidding me? Why did this happen to me? I'm doing everything right. I'm doing the best I can. I am standing for righteousness. I'm walking in integrity. I did what was right, but I ended up in the wrong place. I did what was right, but I ended up in the wrong place. I'm sure we can all identify when things go wrong and we feel that we've done the right thing, we wonder why. But we know that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy our destiny. We know that Satan wants to derail our destiny. We know that Satan wants to stop our destiny and above all, he wants to cut our relationship off with God. Because God has a phenomenal destiny for each and every one of us. We must never forget, family, that our destiny is bigger than the moment we are going through. Our destiny is bigger than the moment we are going through. We are a deliverer to somebody. You are a deliverer to somebody. You are an answer to somebody's problems. Somewhere, somebody needs you. We are a solution to someone else's problems in Jesus' name. And if Satan can take us out of our assignment, then we will not fulfill the will of God for our lives. Joseph amazes me, actually, during this difficult time of his life. Do you know, listen to this, it's incredible. He never spoke about his boss's wife. And she was the one that went and spoke to her husband and said, this man tried to rape me. She lied. He believed her lies. And so she got him demoted. She got him to lose his job. She got him to go from the, from the palace right in part of his house. She got him to go from part of his house right down to the prison. It would be easy for Joseph to complain and say, life is not fair. Are you kidding me? I'm doing everything right. And here the boss's wife is lying about me. But do you know what, family? God always sees everything. And vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. So our job is to keep a good, right heart attitude, even in difficult times. Do you know that complaining about how life is difficult and how life can be unfair may not spark man's attention, but it sparks God's attention. According to the Bible, continual complaining displeases the Lord. Now, we've all complained now and again, but let's not make it a lifestyle of complaining. Numbers 11, 1 says, and when the people complained, look, family, it says, it 
displeased the Lord. The NIV translation said, now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. So when we complain continually and we make it a lifestyle, lifestyle of complaining, God hears us and he is not pleased with us. Do you remember how the Israelites, they complained about the lack of meat. They complained about being stuck in the desert. They complained about their leader, Moses. They complained about lack of water. They just were a complaining bunch. And in Exodus 16, 8, it says, for the Lord hears your complaints that you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. So God hears us when we complain. But the truth of the matter is we live in such a negative world, don't we? I mean, we, we are trained to be negative. We look at circumstances. We look at the price of groceries. We look at the price of uh, petrol. We look at the price of apartments and houses and water and everything. And everything, the cost of living has gone up astronom astronomically. But if we complain continually, it will displease the Lord. Because the Lord will take care of us. We are not ruled by this economy. We are ruled by heaven's economy. And family, when we tithe, and we are faithful in our tithing, and we are obedient in our tithing, God is going to take care of us. So we just don't need to worry about what is going on in the earth. We just need to make sure that our heart attitude is right before the Lord. And we see that... In the Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, 10 says the Israelites complained, and look, they complained so much that they were destroyed by the enemy. 1 Corinthians 10, say, 10 says, nor complain, as some of them also complained, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. In fact, we know that the Israelites, all of them who complained, nearly three million of them, there was only um, Joshua and Caleb who didn't complain. And so the rest of them, the majority of them never went into the will of God or their destiny because they were continual complainers. If Joseph had complained about his unfair treatment, he too would not have fulfilled God's assignment. In the natural, he had lots to complain about. Imagine how his accommodation had changed. Perhaps when he was in Potiphar's house, he had a private suite. He had those nice, big, fluffy pillows and a nice, big, nice duvet that he could just put on over him at night as he got into his uh, beautiful bed. But now everything has changed and he is in the prison and his accommodation has changed. When he was in part of his house, he had most probably lobster thermidor to eat, and he, had and he had a filet, and he had chicken, and he had anything that his heart's desire. He could eat whatever he liked. Now he was in prison, and I guess he was crunching on cockroaches. Who knows? I guess if, uh, he, used, if he complained, he would have never fulfilled the will of God for his life. It looks like, in the natural, that he was demoted. He lost his job. He was unfairly treated. Things are not going his way. But listen, family, in spite of all of this, God had a plan of promotion for Joseph, not demotion. God had a plan for promotion and not 
demotion. If Joseph had failed this test, he could have been stuck in that prison for the rest of his life and never been released. So the secret to passing this test was that he maintained his right relationship with God. So family, no matter how you have been misunderstood, no matter what adverse circumstance came your way, no matter how much you've been lied about, no matter how bad it has, no matter perhaps you've been unfairly treated, perhaps you've uh, been let go from your work and it wasn't really your fault, but during all the, the difficulties, we see Joseph kept a right heart attitude and we need to maintain our relationship with the Lord. And you might say, but God, but Pastor Beth, where was God in all this? Well, Genesis 39, three times says, the Lord was with Joseph. And if the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord is with you. You might feel possibly about being in a prison of adversity today. You might feel like all hell has come against you. But remember, family, God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He sees everything that you're going through. Joseph's relationship with God was not affected by adverse circumstances. Now, we know Satan brings challenges, but in all, the challenges, throughout the challenges he brings, remember God is with us and we will overcome each and every one of them. It's amazing how Joseph, during his dark days of being under, misunderstood and being badly treated, he refused to allow his situation to affect his walk with God. And you know what, family? He never blamed God. He never blamed God. Do you know there's a difference between what I call a circumstantial failure and a character failure. What is the difference? The difference is this. A circumstantial failure is something that's way beyond your or my control. Perhaps it's the economy. Perhaps it's, a, it's a business. Perhaps you're doing everything right in your marriage and yet your partner, your marriage partner leaves you, or perhaps you bring up your children the correct way and yet they still take the wrong turn in life. There are things that happen around us that is way beyond our control. That's called circumstantial failure. But there's a difference between that and a character failure. A character failure happens within us, whereas a circumstantial failure happens external, around us. And it's the issues of our heart that we have to watch all the time. Everything looked like for Joseph, it was crumbling. His world seemed to be falling apart. His situation seemed to go from bad to worse. And although he could not control the outward circumstances, he could control his character. And he maintained a good relationship with the Lord. You see, character failure can hurt us permanently, like those Israelites complaining nonstop, whereas circumstantial failure can only hurt us temporarily. This too shall pass. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned. When you go through the water, you're not going to drown. I remember a story that I read one time about a man who was in prison uh, in a country that despises the gospel. And because he was in prison for his faith, in Jesus Christ, 
For years, his job was to trample the sewers day in and day out. And the authorities tried to break his spirit and gave him the most disgusting, appalling, degrading, and nauseating job. Eventually, he was freed from prison, and they said, how did you keep your spirits up when you were given a job to go in and, and tramp on the sewage? And he said, I maintained a right heart attitude, and I said, Lord, while I have to chomp, stomp and chomp on this sewage, I'm going to praise you. I'm away from the gods. I'm all by myself. So I'm just going to lift up my hands. I'm going to have a worship service. I'm going to worship you and praise you in this difficult time. It is no wonder that he got free. Do you think God would just leave him in the prison forever while he's praising him, while he's doing that menial, nauseating job? No. And it doesn't matter where you are. You might be in, you feel like you're in the pit of despair. But when you lift up your hands and start worshiping and praising God in your difficult circumstances, guess what? There comes a time where God says, hey, I've got to get him out. I've got to get her out. She's worshiping me and she's praising me in the difficult times. And that is your time of deliverance. For deliverance will come for those who are keeping a right heart. Attitude, glory to God. So in extreme difficult circumstances, we see that Joseph rose to the top. He worked diligently in the prisons, and he maintained a good relationship with the Lord. And this is why he, he passed the complaint test. No matter how the devil tried to pull him down, Joseph refused to give in to Satan's attacks against his life. And that's why God promoted him, and he became second to Pharaoh because he passed the test by keeping a right heart attitude. But it was in prison that God gave Joseph supernatural favor. Even when the brothers took the coat of favor, the many colors away from Joseph, they could not take God's favor away from him. And so even it looks like people have stolen from you. They've done wrong things to you. I want you to know they cannot take the anointing of God. They cannot take the favor of God. They cannot take his blessing off of your lives. No one can take God's anointing and supernatural favor away from you. You might have been lied about. You might have been treated unfairly. You might have been overlooked at the office. But the truth is God has not forgotten you. God has seen your tears, family. He's seen everything you're going through. He's seen your heartache. But if we will just keep a right heart attitude, no matter what happens in our lives, no devil of hell can keep us down permanently in Jesus' name. When you've been put down, just remember God's getting you ready for promotion, not demotion. You're going up and not down in Jesus' name. Glory to God. You haven't gone backwards in life, and you're actually going forwards. You haven't lost ground. You're gaining ground in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Let's say this together. I'm going to keep my heart free. I'm going to forgive easily. Nothing is going to hold me down. No one can steal my God-given destiny. God is leading me. God is guiding me. God is going ahead of me. God is preparing my way. The end of my life is going to be better than my beginning. Glory 
glory to God. The end of my life is going to be better than my beginning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Say this, the best days are ahead of me. The best is yet to come because God is on my side. And I will continue to praise and worship the Lord with enthusiasm. Give the Lord praise in the house. Hallelujah. God is good. You know, Joseph even wasn't selfish. Even in the prison, uh, he didn't focus on himself. He didn't have a woe is me um, pity party. He could have had a bad attitude. But instead, he reached out to others in his time of need. And he wanted to serve others. He wanted to be kind to others. There is a great psychiatrist by the name of Carl Menninger. And he was giving a lecture at a college campus. When a hand rose up and asked a question, he said, um, Dr. Menninger, if a person has a, feels that a nervous breakdown is coming upon them, what should they do? And he said, I'll tell you what they should do. They should go to their house and lock the door so they can't get in. Find someone with a bigger need than they have and pour themselves into somebody else who has a bigger need than they have. And he said, then they'll get well. Helping others when we're going through pain will help, help to heal us. I believe when we focus on others during our difficult times, it'll help us recover. So what did Joseph do in prison? He excelled in everything he was asked to do. He was faithful to work hard in prison. And remember when the cupbearer and the baker, they offended their, their master, the king of Egypt, and they were put into the same prison as Joseph was. Now the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and the Bible says Joseph attended to them. He saw to their needs. He looked after them. His attention and his focus was not on himself, but on others, seeing how he could help them. And so Joseph became responsible for their care. Now Joseph could have easily sat in his, his cell and said, forget it. Why should I help anybody else? Are you kidding me? I'm here for something I haven't even done. And now you're making me get up and love someone else, help someone else, and be kind to someone else, and it's not happening. Well, if he did that, he would have never got his promotion. So God is always looking at our hard attitude in difficult times. And so he was responsible for them when they were put into prison. And you might say, well, where is God in all this? Well, Genesis 39, 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with you, family, no matter what you're going through. The Lord is with you. And look, it says, and God extended kindness to him and gave him favor. And I declare over you today that God's favor is on your life in an unprecedented way. And he's going to show his kindness to you in an unprecedented way. Get ready to receive the supernatural favor of God in and for your lives. Glory to God. We see that Joseph never deserved jail, but in jail, God gave him favor. So wherever you are, God is going to give you favor. You can be successful wherever you are, family. 
If you've been mistreated, why don't you start saying, I'm a child of God. His hand is on my life. I'm going, his anointing is on my life. He's ordering my, my footsteps. People might have tried to knock me down, but God is lifting me up. Circumstances might have tried to block me, but God is repositioning me, even though it looks like I'm, I'm demoted, but actually God is getting me ready to promote me, and circumstances are known to change. We start speaking our words of faith in difficult situations. Start saying, God is opening doors for me that no man can shut. No man can shut what God is opening for me. Start declaring with your mouth. You know, the enemy might come and try and discourage you, keep you down, but God is putting you in the right place at the right time to fulfill his plans in and through your lives. Glory to God. So when the baker came, the cup bearer and the baker, they looked uh, miserable. They looked depressed. They had like long faces and they had a bad day. Well, I guess so. In prison, it's not the happiest place to be. And so they looked miserable, downcast. And, and so Joseph, because he had a great attitude, he said, hey, guys, what's up? I see that you're texting one another and you... Um, and you know, it doesn't, I got the group text and it doesn't look like you're having a good day. What's going on? And so he reached out to them in love. And jo Joseph here is still maintaining a good attitude towards the Lord. And now he's got an opportunity to witness. And they said, Joseph, you know, we both have dreams and we really don't know what, what the dreams mean. So Joseph, here we see again, he says, well, it's the Lord who interprets dreams, so why don't you tell me your dreams? So the, the cupbearer said, okay, I'll tell you my dream, and he told his dream to Joseph, and Joseph said, well, you know, in three days, you're going to be reinstated, and you're going to go and serve Pharaoh once again, and it was such a great interpretation. The baker thought, hey, I'm not missing out on this one. He said, hey, Joseph, wait a minute. Hey, come sit with me. I want to tell you my dream. So he told him his dream, and Joseph said, oh, well, in three days, you're going to be impaled. Maybe that wasn't such a great um, uh, your interpretation, but nevertheless, it happened. But Joseph did not ignore other people's needs because he was in the trial of his life. I'm not sure uh, what trial you're going through right now, but let's reach out to others, even though we are going through a trial in our lives, and let's start caring for other people. Because a person who's wrapped up in self-pity while they're in prison will always stay in prison. But a person who reaches out and helps others during their time of difficulty and crisis, they will always come out of their prison. And Joseph unselfishly sowed by serving his time. And he, Joseph unselfishly sowed by serving in his time of need. And ultimately, he reaped freedom from the very man he helped. So you don't know who you're helping. You don't know what God's going to do in their lives. You don't know the divine connection that God is going to um, bring your way. You don't know what God has up his sleeve. Just think about it. If Joseph was bitter and bent, if he was like, I'm not helping anybody. I don't care about anybody. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> and he didn't help anybody. He would have missed out on his breakthrough. 
How many of us miss out on our breakthroughs because we don't reach out a helping hand to others in our time of need? Imagine if he ignored the cupbearer and his problem. If only he thought about himself, Joseph would have missed out on his breakthrough. But I love what Joseph said. He didn't say, when I get out of prison, I'm going to serve God. He said, didn't say, when things get better, I'm going to serve God. He didn't say, when my spouse comes to church, I'll serve God. He doesn't say, when my kids get their act together, then I'll serve God. He said, he didn't say, well, when the church gets their act together, and then I'll serve God. He didn't say anything. He served God where he was in the difficult situation, and he didn't blame others, and that's what we've got to do. We have got to serve God. Even if our our spouse doesn't serve God, we are going to serve God and God is going to get them. God is going to get our children. God's going to get our, our people at work. We must serve the Lord wherever we are. We don't have to wait. The perfect time is now to serve the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So let's learn from Joseph and not wait until all our troubles are over and wait for a perfect time to serve the Lord. Let's be like Joseph and bloom in the house of the Lord where we are planted. The question I want to ask, will I only look after myself when things get hard or will I reach out to others? In this church, I love our people. I love Christian Family Church worldwide. I believe we are the best church in the whole wide world. Why? We have the most amazing people in church. We have people who serve faithfully, no matter what they're going through. We are grateful for our dream teamers. We're grateful for our volunteers. We're grateful for people who reach out to other people in their time of need. We are grateful for our fellowship leaders. We are grateful for our groups. And that's why it's important that you get in a group. You don't have to do life on your own. So we see that he passed his tests. There was another test that... um, He could have failed, and that was the forgotten test. Remember, um, Joseph said to the cupbearer, hey, when all things go, when all goes well with you, remember me. Show me kindness. I showed you kindness. Now remember me. And mention me to Pharaoh to get me out of this prison. He says, I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being in this dungeon. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. Verse 21 says he restored the chief cupbearer to his position. But look here, the dude forgot Joseph. He forgot him. The cupbearer did Joseph a grave injustice even though he had Joseph to thank for his freedom. Do you know there would be another full two years before Joseph had an opportunity to be freed? But this was the perfect time for Joseph to want to throw in the towel, to be discouraged, to be depressed. So I'm I'm, I'm giving it up now. I helped the guy. He got out, and he's forgotten me. What kind of friend is that? He had his hopes up, and now they dashed. It was a perfect time for Him to feel that someone he cared about let him down just when he needed him. And how many people can say, possibly, hey, my hands are up. I can identify with Joseph. We've all been through times where people have given us their word and broken it. Right, family? Oh, they say, we're coming. 
and they let you down. We're going to help you. No, they didn't. It's such an opportunity for Satan to get us bitter and bent with people. But Joseph never broke his relationship with the Lord during his crisis time. In spite of being sent to prison, without a reasonable inquiry, in spite of the suffering rejection in prison, in spite of the crushing blow that was delivered by the cupbearer, his friend, he maintained a heart of forgiveness. Joseph was amazing. He had a forgiving heart even when the people he helped, helped, broke their word to him and forgot him. How many of us can say, I remember when someone gave me their word and they broke it. I'm sure if I say, how many people, you'd all put up your hands, oh yeah, Pastor Bev, that is the truth. Well, he passed the forgotten test by keeping a right heart attitude. And the last test I want to talk to you tonight is about the pride test. It was another two years that he sat in that prison. And then Pharaoh had a dream. Oh, and guess what? The cupbearer, two years later, wakes up and remembers, wait a minute, Pharaoh, there was a guy in prison. He interpreted my dream. He can help you. And so they brought Pharaoh. Uh, they brought Joseph before Pharaoh. And then in Genesis 41, 15, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Listen, family. He would have never heard about Joseph if Joseph had been eaten up with hatred, resentment, and anger. What do people hear about us during crisis times and hard times? Do they hear that we're faithful to the Lord? Or do they hear that we backslid? Do we stay away from church? Do we blame church? But the first thing we notice is that Joseph's godly reputation had gone before him. And it affected the lives around him. Secondly, let's pay attention to Joseph's reply. He said, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So now listen, family, all the hardship that he has gone through, all the testing he's gone for, all the training he's gone for was for such a time as this. He was now ready to be promoted to a position of prosperity and power and prestige. He was now ready to be put in a position where he was going to help millions of starving people, including his family. He was positioned to now fulfill his God-given assignment. There is a time coming in your life, family. It's a God-appointed time. It's a Kairos moment when God says, we are ready for our positions of authority. When he says enough is enough, it's time to bring them up and give them their positions of authority. It's time for them to rule and to reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This was an opportunity for all his dreams to come to pass. He held on to his dreams. He never let them go. For he knew where his strength lay. And his strength lay in the Lord. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, God can do it. The God who I serve, the God of the Hebrews, and he gave God credit. 
So Joseph remained faithful to God throughout his difficult times. And as he was about to be catapulted to success, he never forgot to give God all the glory and was not puffed up with pride. So how do we respond when we suddenly become successful? Let's not forget that we are all that we have, all that we are, all our talents, our abilities, all our skills, they come from God. We are nothing without Him, right? I love what Apostle Theo says to me when I say to him, honey, that was lovely, that's stunning. I loved your message. You preach so well. You're such an anointed apostle teacher. And I'd always encourage him. I'm a great encourager. I'm not a teacher, Lord. I'm an encourager. So don't go to that difficult place where you go for judgment, Lord, for the teachers and preachers. Just, Lord, for the encouragers, the easy judgment. That's where I'm going. I'm just an encourager. <laughs> That's my spin. I hope the Lord takes her, that listens to me on that one. But he always says to me when I encourage him, he says, Bev, I am what I am by the grace of God. He, and you know what? God always exalts a humble and pride comes before a fall. Nothing is so true as Candace as our youngest daughter's experience of pride when she was in uh, school, she had to dress up in medieval costume. It was a costume day, and they had to dress up as medieval queens and princesses. And so Candace looked as pretty as a picture. At school, some of the, the girls were complimenting her on how beautiful she looked. And she was walking around the corridor, and they were saying, you look so beautiful, Candace. And she thought to herself, oh, yes, I do look so pretty. And with that, there was a flight of stairs. <laughs> And she tripped all the way down the stairs. So pride does become before a fall. But Joseph was successful because he maintained a right heart attitude. And I'm going to end with this. A little girl, a young girl, went to see her priest. Now, it was not confession time in a box. It was confession time in the modern uh, uh, church. So she made appointment to see her priest, and the priest was in the office. And she sat, op sat opposite him, his big desk, and she said, uh, priest, will you please, I've come to confess to you that I've got the sin of pride. And he said, well, my daughter, what makes you think you have the sin of pride? So she said, well, every morning when I wake up and look in the mirror and I think, oh, you're so beautiful. You've got beautiful hair. You've got beautiful eyes and, and your beautiful teeth. And she says, I keep on telling myself how beautiful I am when I look in the mirror. I think I've got the sin of pride. Please pray for me, priest. And he said, oh, never fear, my daughter. That's not the sin of pride. You're just making a big mistake. <laughs> Praise God. Evidently, she thought she was pretty. Never forget this, child of God, when you go through challenges. Never forget this. God doesn't do that to you. What happened to Joseph wasn't God's plan for him. If you read in the beginning <clears throat> of Joseph's experience, God gave him the dreams. And God showed him what would happen in his life. But God didn't want him to go to jail and all that. That's not God's plan. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. 
He said, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. So Jesus gives us abundant life. Satan comes <clears throat> to steal, to kill, and destroy. So the devil came against Joseph, but Joseph maintained the right attitude, as you heard tonight. And uh, he served in the house of the Lord, or he served in prison. And as he was serving people, the people he served spoke about him to the Pharaoh, and he was delivered. So if he'd sat there wallowing in his self-pity, he would not have come out of prison. But if you'll serve in the house of the Lord, serve others, and give God glory, not for your problem, <clears throat> but because He is your deliverer, not for your problem, but because He is fighting your battles for you, you will come through. You will come through. Always remember, Ephesians 6 verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People's not our problem. But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against demonic spirits. That's who's arrayed against us. Demons are working through certain people that are not Christians to try and destroy us. But you have authority over those demons. You don't have authority over the people, but you have authority over the demons so you can command the devil. You stop working through that person and harassing me. If somebody's harassing you, you talk to the devil, say, you leave that person on, you stop harassing me through that person in the name of Jesus. Talk to the spirit behind the person. Amen? And praise the Lord. Keep praising God. He is your deliverer. He's your victory. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. I remember David. Remember the story about David and Ziglag? David and his mighty men were living in a little town called Ziglag while Saul was trying to kill him with the army of Israel. And um, they came home to Ziglag, David and his mighty men, and found out that the city was burnt down, the town was burnt down, smoldering in ashes and smoke, and, and their wives were stolen and kidnapped, their children were stolen and kidnapped. So David and his mighty men had nothing left. All what they owned was burnt to the ground, and their family stolen. And now David's mighty men wanted to kill him. His closest friends wanted to kill him. So David had no one in the world. And he knelt down in the ashes of Ziglag as they smoldered. And he wrote Psalm 138, verse 8. He wrote that at that time. And he said, now he could have complained, but he did like Joseph did. He said, the Lord will work out his plan for my life. That's what he said in the crisis moment of his life. After running from King Saul, the army chasing him from the age of 17 to the age of 30, seemed like nothing worse could happen. The worst had all happened for all those years. His childhood was gone. Never experienced the youth. Kneeling in the ashes. He could have given up. He could have said, Lord, I'm just throwing in the towel. But he said, knelt down, he said, Lord, you will work out your plans for my life. 
And two weeks later, King Saul died in the battle of the Philistines. And David, they came and got him and put him on the throne of Israel. David was king for 40 years after that. So whatever you're going through right now, say this, the Lord will work out His plan for my life. Again, the Lord is working out His plan for my life. And God loves me. He has the best for me. He will not fail me. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. God loves you, child of God. God loves you more than you can ever know. But we must maintain our confidence and faith in Him. Don't ever blame God for bad things that happen. It's not. God is a loving Father, a loving Father. If we understood the Bible, we'd be balanced in these matters. But the point, the problem is that so many people, Christians, don't know the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. And so the devil lies to them and blames God for things that happen in their lives. And they believe it. They believe it. They don't know any better. It's so sad. It breaks my heart when I see people blame God for things they don't understand. I want to encourage you to get my books and read them over and over and over and over. Read them over and over and over. Wash your brains with the Word of God. Wash your brains. Somebody said years ago, if you go to Dr. Theo's church, you'll brainwash you. That's true. I do want to brainwash you with the Word of God. Because, family, the devil's out there lying to us about our Father all the time. All the time. I was preaching in Durban this week, Wednesday night, and Dr. John and Dr. Joy asked me to speak at their dedication service night, and I was teaching the Bible and praying for people, and I did an altar call, and a lot of folks came out, and as I asked them to come to the front, and I stood before them, my heart broke because I could see in the eyes of some of those people they were pleading, begging for help. So lost. So hopeless. They were begging and pleading for help. In their eyes, I could see it. I just hugged them. I did everything I could to stop myself from weeping for them. And that night I had a dream. It so tormented me. I had a dream. I dreamt I was driving in a bus in a strange city with my wife, somebody else, another believer, three of us in an empty bus. And we're driving through this strange city. I don't know where we were. I had no clue. It was probably one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. There's no one on the streets. And this driver was just going, turning, going, turning, going, turning, going, turning. And the next minute I turned around for some reason, I was watching the driver and I evidently missed Pastor Bev get off the bus with this other person. And I thought to myself, when I tried to find her, where did she get off? Where did she get off? Um, and she probably thought I was gonna get off with her and, and then I went off with the bus and didn't notice that she got off with 
whether they're supposed to get off, wherever that was. And then I thought, oh, well, I'll just phone her and ask her where she is. And I realized she had my phone in my bag. And so I, I was in the bus and was going. And I thought, well, okay, fine, I can't phone her. I don't know where she got off this bus in this strange city. And it's just high-rise buildings everywhere. And I've probably been going five minutes when I realized she's gone. And um, I began to weep. I was crying out in my dream, I'm, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. And I woke up and I said, Lord, what's that about? And the Holy Spirit said to me, Christians, even Christians are lost because they don't know my word. Teach them my word. Teach them my word. See, that's what God is saying to me. Is that which I saw there at that altar call, God was talking to me about saying, people are lost. I don't mean that Christians aren't going to heaven. They're going to heaven. But they don't know what choices to make in life. They don't know what to do next. They see the problems of life around them. They don't have answers. And all the answers are in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is ready to guide us. It's just ignorance. So that's my biggest problem in life. Again, my biggest problem in life is ignorance. It's not knowing what God says. I shouldn't be preaching. I wasn't meant to say this. But I just, anyway, here it is. You got me. <laughs> I know. I know. Good girl. Good girl. I'm proud of you, baby. I'll get your tape and listen to it. Okay. Miss a little heart. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.